Okay, good afternoon, team. Um, and it is afternoon over here on the East Coast. Uh, good various parts of your day to all you know corners of the earth. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. This is a September Leadership Forum uh, for Soul Refiner. We are thrilled to be here. It is me and my lovely wife, Christina. Again, we are in separate venues, same building today, as we continue uh, to work on sets and making sure that we're able to get um, places that, that we can both be on screen. I see Captain Ron coming in. Uh, he's up there over in, in the Gulf area. So good to see everybody today. And I just want to open up with a word of prayer before we get into talking about burnout prevention, compassion fatigue, and how do you balance all that stuff with being a great soul refiner leader. So Lord, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for this um, this moment of the month that we all get to come together as leaders from all over the world and talk about what you're doing in our lives uh, through the process of recovery, uh, through the process uh, of community, and, and God, just how you reach in, you change us from the inside out, um, you woo us into your, um, I guess, your image, Lord, you know, you make us want more and more to be like you. Uh, we can never do this on our own. We tried that once already for most of us and, and look where it got us. And so, Lord, we, we make that submission to you. We make that surrender to you. And I'm not I'm not praying for it right now alone, Lord. Uh, I pray for it in, in those moments of despair whenever we are on our knees and we're, we're crying out loud because we need you. That's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So. Amen. Oh, honey, I just love seeing people using the chat and letting us know where they're calling in from. We have John coming in from California. Welcome, John, and, and Mark from Omaha, and Brian, and I can't see you, Brian, but maybe Tiffany's with you in Port St. Lucie. Uh, Ethan from Colorado, welcome. We have Mary in Kansas. Uh, Katie, good to see you. Um, just, it's so nice to see David coming, coming in from Bakersfield, California from all over the country. It's it's beautiful, beautiful to see. Ron, it's good to see you. Bart and Rachel, we have our international couple. Um, wonderful to see Bart and Rachel from Belgium. It's so good to see you. Uh, and I still see more people coming into the waiting room. So Ben, of course, our, Ben, so good to see you from Venice, Florida. We always love having you join us as well. And Alex, um, it, it's, it's exciting to see new faces. It's, it's exciting to see uh, familiar faces. Uh, and we have a fantastic topic today that I don't think is talked about enough, especially among people who have a desire to serve and to help other people, because those kinds of people have their eyes on other people and they can often overlook themselves. Uh, it's just the nature of being selfless, right, Lamar? That's exactly right. And, and speaking of being selfless, uh, so, some of you across the spectrum um, may know uh, a certain couple um, named Troy and Tracy. Uh, Troy has been on a sanctuary meeting um, where he answered questions for the ladies that they may not have felt comfortable asking their own uh, significant others. And Tracy has been on a mission brief for the men where she helped us out with the, the ladies' perspective for maybe some questions that men wouldn't feel comfortable uh, asking their significant others. And so Troy and Tracy are getting married this weekend. And this has been just an, an incredible journey. I, I see Brian, you know, I, I see Paul weighing in on this one and Bart and Rachel. Uh, for the folks that know Troy and Tracy may have been in some of the groups with them, uh, just an incredible couple, um, a powerhouse team uh, for Christ's word and, and, for, and for what he can do in lives. And so I just want to take a moment. They couldn't be here today because they're entertaining uh, their guests in um, up in Jacksonville from really have come in all across the country. And so, but I want to give a special shout out and uh, please make sure you hold this couple in, in, in your prayers. Uh, Y'all all know that the marriage is way more important than the wedding. But I tell you what, ha having a September wedding on a, on a Saturday afternoon in, in Florida, uh, especially a little bit of it outdoors, there's a lot of risk there. So we're praying for good weather. Uh, and if it's not, then we're praying for a lot of fun out in the rain. So, Love it. Thank you, honey. So we uh, just ask that you lift Troy and Tracy up in prayer. They are two of our Stronger Together leaders. Uh, they are fantastic dynamos. If you ever have questions about leading Stronger Together, there are a couple to reach out to. Uh, they're fantastic. So this is a time to celebrate what God has done in their relationship uh, and addressing uh, different things in their lives and for bringing seriously Stronger Together. So they're, they're really a picture um, of, of 
a, just a godly, beautiful relationship. So, honey, we have so much ground to cover. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about burnout and compassion fatigue. And some people, some of you may never even heard of compassion fatigue. I didn't. I hadn't heard of it until we started our recovering journey. Uh, most of us have heard of burnout. Burnout is, uh, you know, by definition, it's just you, you're doing too much. You know, you're doing too much. And over time, the passion, the zeal starts to fade. You're burning the candle from both ends. You're overstretched. You don't have enough help. Um, that's the typical definition we have. We hear for burnout. And anybody in any field uh, can experience burnout. Compassion fatigue, though, is a little bit different. Compassion fatigue is reserved for those people that have a heart to serve others and that they listen to their problems or walk through the problems with them. Doctors who treat patients in acute and crisis situation and nurses, uh, counselors, therapists, mentors, teachers, leaders in recovery, that's you guys. Uh, we are all susceptible uh, to experiencing compassion fatigue. And it's whenever we take on uh, I like to say just any any kind of negative emotion uh, from helping somebody else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be over time, even though it could be, but it could be out of the blue. I mean, you could be sitting there, ladies, you could be, you know, sitting there walking and talking with a, a woman who is talking about an experience of being raped or uh, physically abused by her husband. And all of a sudden something just clicks in you and you're just whoa, <laughs> this feels like a lot right now. And then after you meet with them, you're not able to shake that feeling. And then it leads to not being able to sleep at night. And then you're you're kind of reliving what they experienced. And you might even, if you have past trauma experience, what's called vicarious trauma, you might've heard that word before, where it almost jumpstarts maybe some PTSD in you. And it doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be compassion fatigue, just something you're helping and you're pouring and you're pouring and you're giving, but you're not getting refueled. And you just start, for lack of a, for lack of a better word, burning out. And so that compassion fatigue is something all of us in this room are um, uh, have a risk for experiencing. In fact, we all have one strike against us because you all are here leading and you have a heart to serve others. So that's risk factor number one, those that serve people, those that put others before themselves and, and you're helping people that are in crisis situations, whether it's broken marriages, whether it's addiction, whether it's um, getting over betrayal, infidelity, depression, anxiety, any of those things, you're exposed to it. And so it, there is a cost for caring, so to speak. And that's what compassion fatigue is. So honey, I thought maybe we could talk more about some of the risk factors uh, yeah. because we're all susceptible. We all know that. We already have one strike against us, so to speak, just from being caregivers. And so I thought we would go through and I want everybody to grab either pencil, paper, or paper and pencil or maybe your phone to take notes or use the chat. And we're gonna go through each one of these risk factors. And if it's you and you're brave enough to say, oh, that's a risk factor for me, it doesn't mean you have compassion fatigue and that you're burning out, but that you are susceptible or in a greater risk. So that's what we wanna identify. And if the more risk factors you have, the more susceptible you are. So just kind of do an inventory right now. This is just a mental check because this is the most important thing to prevent compassion fatigue and burnout is to be aware. And so we need to be aware of what are those risk factors. So we already said the first one are just, you know, just, those that are with others that are going through trauma. What are some more, Lamar? Well, first off, men, you may be thinking to yourselves, oh my goodness, I, I could never fall into compassion fatigue. Um, I, I barely know how to be empathic. Uh, I only have the, you know, my three feelings, you know, that, that's uh, happy, sad, and hungry, okay? Uh, so, so men, if you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I could ever fall into that, congratulations, you're already on the spectrum and you're tumbling into it. Uh, because as you as the new man emerges, you are going to be especially equipped to sense some of these needs in other people. And then what happens to you is there, there's a slow, um, I call it a slow swing of your pendulum through stasis. You know, stasis is the bottom where, where you know, you, you kind of want to reside. Um, as you swing through from where it used to be is this non-feeling, you know, ogre. Uh, and I say that because I are one. Okay. And as, as you swing through your stasis point, 
you know, where Christ would have you. The enemy, of course, is playing judo with you, and he's got your he's got your judo robe, and he snatches you right through that goodness area, and he pulls you to compassion fatigue, where you find yourselves taking on the burdens of the people with whom you're working. And so I, I want you know, the men especially to pay attention here. You may have switched off already because you're thinking about them. I'm not at risk at all. No way, not me. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that can turn it off. I can compartmentalize it. Well, that's the old problem. Okay. That's not where we want to be anymore. We don't want to just wall it off. We want to be able to deal with it appropriately, godly, and then help people along the way without a feeling of codependency one way or the other. So men, let's pay attention to these risk factors. Okay. Don't just switch this off right now because you think it might be some kind of effeminate notion of how we should lead. This is not the case at all. Nobody has to check their mail maleness at the door to participate here today. So go ahead, baby. Yeah. So another risk factor you want to be aware of um, are those people and raise your hand if you're if, or if you're one of those people or participate in the chat or just take a note that jam your schedules. You have a, a tendency to go, <laughs> I already see some hands up. You, you, I mean, back-to-back meetings with no rest in between. Um, some people called you uh, maybe a workaholic. Uh, you you uh, stay late at work or over um, your meetings go long, um, even even in your ministry uh, that you're always on call with other men or with other women. And you just uh, it's just work, 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 work with um, and and you, your schedule is just so, so busy. So if that's you, um, just make a note of that. That's another risk factor. Another risk factor is it's very easy, especially since COVID, to isolate yourself. If you're one that is maybe an introvert or you prefer to just work alone and you don't have levels of support, a community, you don't have a spouse that's doing uh, doing the ministry work with you, or you don't have a co-leader, or you don't have um, a mentor or someone to look up to that you can you know quickly call if you have a problem. Uh, so those are people that are at high at risk, those that are in isolation and trying to do everything by themselves. Another risk factor to, to make note of is if you don't take care of yourself emotionally, physically, and spiritually. If you're too busy to make it to church, if you're too busy to have quiet time in the morning with God, if you don't work out and eat healthy, um, if you don't make time to get exercise, um, any one of those components, then you are that that is a risk factor for experiencing compassion fatigue. And I, I'm going to tell you that I would have to raise my hand for this one. This is something Lamar and I, uh, we, we, we feel God right now telling us it's time to clean house and that we are um, you know, we cut back on alcohol and our sugar intake and we're working out and I'm actually eating salads that I think is rabbit food. Uh, and I'm doing these crazy things. I know um, because God is telling me I need to clean, clean up shop before I can completely give myself to the ladies as we get ready to enter this new season. So Lamar, do you want to go over some more of the risk factors? Yeah, there's just so many and, and they're moving targets. I mean, as you look at these, you may think to yourself, well, that's not me. Great. Hallelujah. God bless your ministry. That's time for you to come along somebody who it might be. Okay. Who, who might be affected by that certain risk factor. And that's where we need everybody to stay engaged with really all these. And so uh, other risk factors you may see, you know, this is a huge one. If you find yourself saying, I can't even find a church that meets all my needs. Okay. If, if that's something that you may have said to yourself along the way, um, let me encourage you go to your nearest house of worship that aligns with whatever denominational flavor, you know, wh- where you may be aligned and just plug in and join and just see what God does for you and, and just say, Lord, I-, I am here to raise your name up. I don't care about the music. I don't care if it's someone with a harp who, who, who looks like they should be in a robe on a cloud. Okay. I don't care if the preacher goes verse by verse. I don't care if the preacher, you know, bounces around off of a current day topic, as long as they're preaching from the Bible, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm not here for me. The songs aren't for me anyway. They're for you, Lord. And so let me encourage you in that regard. Please don't forsake, you know, that corporate worship experience. And lo and behold, I bet that the most ripe, you know, field for future class members is going to be in the church. Because that's where people feel especially convicted, that Holy Spirit wooing to, to get their lives in order. And what better way to find folks that already have a biblical, already have a faith-driven background 
um, than to find that. So that's a huge risk factor for you. If you find yourself without a corporate worship experience on a regular basis, uh, a big risk factor. If you don't have your own group, okay? If you don't have a group of folks that know you, know your story, and know when you are going off the rails, um, you see it over and over again with pastors that wind up, you know, all of a sudden they look around and say, how did I get here? And they're, they're, they're giving a tear-filled or tear-filled, you know, expose into what's happened in their lives to their flock, having to explain things. And it's because, hey, maybe somewhere along the way, they didn't have people that knew everything about them that could help point out blind spots along the way. Or better yet, maybe that tear-filled expose is, maybe they did have those people and they pointed something out before it got to a point where they're essentially disqualified. And of course, you know, if you don't have a group that is maturing and is shooting off leaders, and all of a sudden you find you've been with the same folks for about two or three years, and they're always looking to you for leadership and nobody knows what to do if you're not there, that's a bad news story, okay? I've got a wonderful group on Saturday mornings and I love these men. We've been walking together for two or three years now. And one of my greatest pleasures in life is knowing I can open that meeting on Saturday mornings and the first gentleman that comes into the meeting, I can hand it over to him. And then that meeting just runs regardless. I don't have to worry about, oh, what are they gonna do if I'm not there? Um, it, it, I think it's just an, an incredible, I guess, um, it, it's, an, it's a commentary on their you know, picking up and moving ahead and not having to worry about somebody who, who, who is a person that, that has to be there, otherwise it flat out can't go. And yeah. so. Lamar, we have some great comments. Teresa had some great wisdom here. Um, for those that pack their schedules, she said that this can be a symptom of being the flight modality on the fight, flight, or freeze spectrum. Great point. Had a thought about that. Um, we're actually going to be talking more about that um, next month on our um, uh, webinar about the fight, fight, freeze, prefer or uh, in particular the fight, the flight um, part of that, um, because that's often a barrier to forgiveness as well. So great point, Teresa. Um, Bart and Rachel said, feeling like you're responsible for recovery of people in your group, absolutely a risk factor. If you feel like your success and your identity is based on the outcome of your group, whether or not marriages are redeemed, whether or not men stay sober, whether or not women actually forgive their spouse, then you are absolutely at high risk for compassion fatigue. Some other risk factors to consider along the way, uh, if you don't have a work-life balance, um, balance is very important. You got to have fun, guys. This cannot be, and ladies, it cannot be all work and no play. You got to have some things outside of caring for other people that you can just relax, whether I don't care if it's a, a bubble bath or a bike ride. You got to be able to do something that you can decompress. Um, people that are, Lamar, you mentioned uh, men in recovery, uh, women too. Uh, there's, 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 you have a high amount of empathy. Uh, if you if, if you have forgiven, if you've done the work, uh, you have empathy for other women that are hurting. You have empathy for the broken. Any kind of people that have strong amounts of empathy and care are at high risk. Along with those people, raise your hand. I'd love to know or put it in the chat. Who can't say no? Do we have any of those that it's really hard to draw boundaries? Esther, I see you, sweetie. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, um, and John, I saw you too. It's um, it's very, very. Oh, Kenneth and Teresa, Todd, we're getting a lot of hands raised. Thank you, folks. Um, I, I am too. Lamar, Lamar, and I both struggle with this, and this is something that God is working on us. Sometimes, no is what exactly what God is calling us to say. Have, have we taken all of our decisions to God and asked Him, is this something we want to do? Because I think Christians oftentimes thinks think that this is a good and noble thing, so I must say yes to it. And that's not necessarily the case. God may need you to say no so somebody else steps up. He may need to, you to say no so you can ask somebody else to come in and to give them the courage to step up. So sometimes you're doing a disservice by saying yes all the time. So consider that. But just the people that have trouble you know, saying no, just make note that you are at risk for compassion fatigue. Um, there's another uh, thing to consider. If you have things outside of your own recovery and your mentoring um, going on in your life uh, that are stressful, which I think we can all raise our hands. If you have teenagers, if you have infants, if you have 
uh, if you have uh, work stress, if you have, if you've moved recently, um, any kind of stress outside of your recovery can lead to um, your increase of ex potentially experiencing compassion fatigue. So just take note of that when there's a season that you're experiencing maybe a little more friction on the home front, a little more uh, stress with the kiddos. Uh, just take note that hmm, I got to be careful because I can quickly burn out with the ministry God's given me. You might also have unresolved. Oh, go ahead, honey. No, I was going to, I really wanted to anchor there for a moment. And yep. um, any kind of even moderate change all the way up to you know drastic change, um, that's a huge risk factor. Uh, change is the mother of all risk. It's something we learn in the, in the military. Whenever something is different and we're off of our rhythm, we're off of our routine, okay, that's when we're especially at risk uh, for, for slipping into either compassion fatigue or burnout. And so let me encourage you, if you're going through something you know, otherworldly, so to speak, in, in some other part of your life, that's not a great time for you to be making big decisions elsewhere. You know, If you're going through a move, it's not a great time for you to be thinking about you know, what's the best way for me to put my kid in reform school? So, and if you're too young to know what reform school is, you should go watch the little rascal reruns over on YouTube. You can find them they're really easy or a lot of fun. Okay. So, so be thinking about that. You know, is there, is there something big going on in my life? What kind of decisions am I making? Is this something that's, that, that is putting me at risk for slipping down that, that really, really tough slope? Yeah. And, and there's a few more things. Uh, Lawrence, I love what you said. False sense of guilt can be a trauma response. Yes, absolutely. And that leads me to the next one. Any unresolved trauma that we may have. Right. Right, Lawrence. I mean, that's that that's uh, anything that we think we may have resolved. Childhood trauma, PTSD, um, betrayal trauma, whatever that is, if it hasn't been. And, it is an ongoing process. I'm not saying that if you have unresolved trauma that you can't lead. What I'm saying is you need to be aware that that could actually make you more prone to compassion fatigue. Um, people without um, coping, healthy coping mechanisms. If you um, resort to drinking wine, um, I'll be the first to confess that that was a problem of mine for a long time, that every night that, that just helped me have a glass or two of wine uh, to just cope and take the edge off um, because I was just feeling overloaded, hearing everybody's burdens all day. And I realized that's not a healthy coping mechanism. And it actually led to compassion fatigue on my part. Drugs, um, TV, if you feel like oh, I got to come home and watch garbage on TV, um, social media can be one, shopping can be one. Um, anything that could seem even healthy, like golf or, uh, you know, things that are innocuous in of um, themselves can be if you're leaning to them first and not to God, and you don't have a healthy balance of it in your life, then you just need to do a check on that. Uh, so that's just something to be aware of because you can burn out quickly. And the last one that I have, oh, go ahead, honey. No, I just wanted to call to attention. Uh, somebody had, had mentioned, you know, what was the part you talked about triggering PTSD? I don't know if that was when you were discussing vicarious trauma. So we'd love to kind of kind of go back and revisit that. So, uh, which kind of leads us to our natural, you know, segue, start, start throwing some questions into the chat. If you need to raise a hand to get a question out, you know, go ahead and do that. But that, that's one of the things that somebody mentioned earlier, honey. What was that thing about? What was the part about triggering PTSD? Absolutely. If you have any unresolved trauma, if you have anything in your life um, that, uh, let's say, for example, um, if I was abused as a child and I'm working with a woman and she starts talking about abuse that she's going through and abuse she had in, a in, in her childhood, I'm going to attach to that and be like, whoa, and it's going to feel so real to me. And it may make me relive the past trauma that I experienced. I might get that heightened heart rate. I might want to fight, flight, or freeze. I might want to, you know, I might start sweating. I might start shaking, trembling. Um, I can actually get a PTSD reaction to what they're sharing with me because of something I had experienced in the past that I have not processed. So does that, does that help, honey? Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, Jack, transference and countertransference. Yes, absolutely. Those are clinical terms that we use um, in counseling that counselors use. And it's and it's absolutely um, a, a real thing. It's a real thing where you start feeling that your patients 
um, pain or your the, who you are mentoring their their pain and what they're going through. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, I I love what Lawrence said about news junkie. Yes. And and you may have mentioned already, but I I just I, I we have a a couple very near and dear to us, um, and and they they live elsewhere across the country, but. I mean, the, the gentleman is just nonstop with the news, and um, and that's all he really wants to talk about is, is about the outrage from one side or the other. Um, and it's just it, it's amazing what can happen to someone when that becomes their entire focus. Um, and so I would just gladly you know refer somebody to Revelation uh, if they get tired of Revelation, we can jump back over to Ezekiel. I think there's quite a bit of stuff in, in Jeremiah and Daniel we can discuss, you know, as we talk about politics and, and where the world's going. But, you know, it, it's a huge risk factor for us if we allow those kind of conversations to overtake, you know, some of our relationships. So, yeah. Absolutely. So how did you guys do? I mean, just let me know in the chat. How did you do with those lists? Did, did you, I mean, you didn't, I know there wasn't a scoring system, but did you um, find that you had, just uh, no risk factors. And if you said no, I'm turning this meeting over to you. So raise your hand if you said no, and I'm just going to turn it over to you. Uh, <laughs> but if you maybe had one or two, three or four, or maybe nine or 10. Um, so if, if this is something, I don't care if it was one or 10, um, it's important to now know what are the signs and symptoms. Okay, so we know who's at risk, but what exactly does passion fatigue and burnout look like? Yeah. So some of the things that we might see uh, is just chronic exhaustion. You might just get so, so, so tired, either emotionally or physically, spiritually, um, you, that you're just drained and you're kind of going into your classes, just kind of sluggish and just, you have no energy. Yeah. Um, yeah go ahead. No, uh, I, I want to get to Captain Ron here in just a second, but I also want to mention not just exhaustion, but also the Sunday scaries. I don't know who had this in, the, in their in their work life previously, or if maybe you have it now, where Sunday nights you get that feeling of dread about Monday mornings. You get those Sunday scaries. Well, if that's starting to happen to you with your classes, all right, that, that's, a, that's a huge warning sign for you, that the risk factor is now sliding into a, a possible, you know, push towards compassion fatigue uh, or burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's also feelings of helplessness, like, why should I even bother? What's the point? I can't help all these people. It's not doing any good. Everyone's relapsing. No one's forgiving. Marriages are crumbling. That kind of feeling can happen. That's a symptom. Uh, like I mentioned before, abusing drugs or alcohol or food, um, using food as a comfort. I didn't mention that before. Uh, there's a thing called psychic numbing, where you're just kind of numb where everything they say now, you, you don't have that compassion and empathy you once did, where it's just kind of like, oh, I've heard this story, same story, different script, different characters. Um, or you're hypersensitive, where you just want to cry at everything that everybody shares, and you're just over-emotional. It can be the opposite end of the spectrum as well. And Lamar, do you want to go over some more? Yeah, I, th I think I do want to go over some more here in a little bit, but as the questions are starting to flow in, we're, you know, we're kind of at our halfway point. So I want to, mm -hmm. I want to see where, what Captain Ron has to say here. Uh, greetings from uh, the Gulf. Well, first, I, uh, this is awesome. This is just absolutely awesome. I mean, I, I, I'd have to write a couple minutes about how awesome it is, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, so what was the thing on trans, uh, transcribe or transcribing uh, or back to forth one, you know, somebody transferring, mm -hmm. can, can you talk on that a little bit, somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Transference is, it, it's actually, uh, feeling what the person across from you is feeling. So Captain Ron, if, if you and I are talking and I share something um, that is super sensitive in my life, you can actually feel uh, that pain. And the countertransference is, is actually going the opposite direction as well. So it's, it's essence, it's not having emotional boundaries where you're actually taking on the other person's feelings. It's, it's almost beyond empathy. It's you actually are physically feeling what they're feeling. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, that makes sense. I'll, I'll, I'll study that a little bit. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, and the other thing was the PTSD thing. I remember you saying that uh, if a person hasn't gone through their their uh, childhood trauma, then that is going to trigger their PTSD. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, that is absolutely a possibility. If you have unresolved trauma, that someone that might have a similar story from you, yeah. um, you see, you start seeing a lot of parallels. You start seeing a lot of similarities, and you almost step into their place, and you start so, reliving your past pain. So that's something. When that does happen, that's a. I mean, that's just a red flag saying I have a little work to do in this area. And we're going to talk about how to manage it. We're actually, I see some people, what what do you recommend ways to handle it? We're we're definitely getting there because we have some tangible things that will help you, Captain Ron, um, once we start recognizing these things. Step one is recognition, and now we'll start going through the other steps. Okay, so I was in in the military, but I don't have any PTSD. I never left the States. I had an easy job. I don't know how that happened. I got drafted. I thought I was going straight to to, uh, advanced infantry training and straight to Vietnam, but that didn't happen. So I don't have it. But I wonder why there's so many people that do have it. Don't they tell them? I mean, when when the military guy goes to to ask for help, don't they tell them, well, you might have some childhood trauma that you need to work through? Do they not tell them that? Well, thank you, Captain Ron, first of all, for your service. We do appreciate it. And PTSD, yes, it's a complicated condition. We could spend a whole, in fact, we will. We can spend a whole segment on that because PTSD doesn't just happen to people in war. It happens to anyone that faces a situation where they feel like they're going to lose their life. Um, yeah, well, I got, a, I, got a guy, I got a guy right now. Uh, he was in the bomb squad, mm-hmm. okay? But, uh, and he just feels so bad about himself, you know, it's like, you know, you know, I'm worthless, that type thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just trying to, to see how, what I can do to help him. Uh, uh, he wasn't there for, uh, he's not in a conquer series class. Uh, I think I told y'all last week that I I joined a, a celebrate recovery class. So he's in a celebrate recovery class, but my, my take on that is, all these guys that are in here for these other problems, they got some sexual issues somewhere uh, in there. And they, uh, you know, I'm trying to, to, to work out how I can help them and fit all this stuff together with them. So, uh, awesome. you know. well, thank you, Captain Ron, for the work you do. So maybe we can <laughs> feed you some more information that can help you help more people. So thank you for sharing. Really appreciate it. So, so, I- go ahead, Mark. Very quickly, I, I just want everybody in the audience here. We have a ton of veterans in the audience, guys I've connected with over the years, uh, folks that that understand this. You know, heck, Jack Denton up there, he's the one that brought up transference, um, and he's giving me a thumbs up. And so he's especially equipped. I mean, he, he's a practicing therapist. Uh, I know Brian down here, uh, Lawrence, uh, and and forgive me if I left you out. Cliff Cliff is a, a former New York City firefighter. So there are lots of folks here that are well acquainted with uh, with some PTSD and may- maybe not personally themselves, but definitely have friends that have been greatly affected by it. I think it's one of the great comorbidities associated with sexual sin and sexual stronghold. Uh, it ranks right up there to me with uh, narcotic addiction, alcohol addiction. Okay, folks that, that have not yet dealt with their PTSD are especially susceptible to falling into the clutches of sexual sin and sexual stronghold. And mm-hmm. so, if folks want to post in the chat about experiences where they can help, you know, come alongside Captain Ron as he walks with these other men, please feel free. This is the beauty of the community, right? It's folks yeah. saying, hey, I got a little bit of experience with that. Let me help you. And listen, nobody here is saying, yea, verily, thou shalt do it this way. Almost everybody here is saying, here's something that worked for me. Here's a way, you know, definitely not the way, but here's a way. Yes. And everybody's way that is in this meeting, I can almost guarantee you, is aligned with what Jesus Christ has been talking to us the whole time through the New Testament and all those neon signs from the Old Testament that were pointing to him in the first place. So uh, this Love is it. where to come. This is that community. Go ahead, baby. No, it's good. It's good. And Dennis is asking about uh, ministry sabbaticals. We'll be talking about that in just a minute with um, uh, what are ways to handle it. And yes, it might meet, it might look like taking a knee and taking a time out. And Jack brought up 
Um, self-talk, that is absolutely one of the symptoms, uh, signs and symptoms, that negative self-talk that you're constantly telling yourself a story um, and ruminating on it. And everything about yourself is negative. You, you start almost loathing yourself and it's what's the purpose and, and why am I doing this? And just everything is very negative. So that's something to be cognizant of. Um, that is a symptom. Uh, anxiety, depression, headaches, GI problems. Your body tells your story. If you're if you're having um, decreased immunity and getting sick a lot, uh, if you have hypertension, you know, if you start all of a sudden having these medical problems you've never had before, or old medical problems come back, that might be a, a red flag that you might be experiencing compassion fatigue. Trouble sleeping is a huge one. Again, you can't you can't shut off your brain from that negative self-talk or from just reliving the trauma and the stories that you've been hearing around you. Um, your inability, you, you struggle making good decisions or you don't even want to make a decision. I know a lot of ladies that after uh, going through betrayal, that's one of the things that they struggle with most is all of a sudden they can't decide what to fix their kids for breakfast. You know, things that were just so easy to do now just seem like the weight of the world is in the decision that they make. Um, problems in personal relationships, all of a sudden, I, and this is something I noticed with me, I would be getting off um, my calls with my ladies and I would hear their stories and I would start snapping at Lamar as if he was the one doing what their husbands did. That is compassion fatigue. That is a symptom of compassion fatigue. Uh, and I wasn't even realizing I was doing it and he did nothing wrong, but he was a man and he was in front of me and he, you know, had a history of betrayal. So he was the enemy. And so that I, women, you've got to be careful of that. You've got to be careful when you go into this role and you're helping other women that like, you're hearing all these things that the husbands have done that are terrible, that you don't come back and take it out on your husband. If so, that might be a sign and symptom you're experiencing compassion fatigue. So I think we, we covered quite a bit of what the signs and symptoms are and uh, you know, I'm looking in the chat as well. Bart and Rachel said, bring it before Christ. You know what? I'm so glad I read that because that's the number one thing that we need to do to manage it. That, right? You know, I mean, that is the number one thing. We have been gifted with the Holy Spirit. We are not alone. Even when we feel alone, we always have the Holy Spirit and we need to bring it before Christ. First and foremost, we have to bring it before Christ. We cannot do it by ourselves. We absolutely cannot. And sometimes like when, um, let's see, who was it that was asking about taking a break? Dennis. Um, thank you, Dennis, about for asking that. Um, yes, sometimes you're called to take a break. And the reason why I know this is because it's biblical. Let's look at the example of Moses in Exodus 18. In chapter 18, Moses is hanging out with his father-in-law and his father-in-law can see that he is clearly struggling. And his father-in-law essentially, he just says, what are you doing? Because this is not good. I mean, he actually says that this is not good. You and, and the people with you are certainly wearing yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not meant to do this alone. His father-in-law called it, you know, put his feet to the, held his feet to the fire and told him this. Moses had compassion fatigue and you could see it in his behaviors. I mean, at one point in time, he smashed the tablet and, you know, he, he struck a rock with, instead of speaking to the rock and it cost him the promised land. And so we all have to be cognizant that if even Moses experienced compassion fatigue, we sure as heck can too. So that's just, it's, it's biblical. It happens. And sometimes we are called to take a knee and rest or to get extra help. So uh, speaking of help, Lamar, what does that look like with managing? Like, what are ways that, that, that you use to get help from your brothers? No, number one is just making sure that you have someone uh, in your life, at least one other person um, that has a level of, of, of spiritual discernment um, through some of their experiences. Um, and sometimes that does not rhyme with recovery work. Right. Uh, in, in some cases, you might not want it to rhyme with recovery work. You may want to have an outsider's perspective. I'm talking like a church elder type or um, so, someone like a, I would say like a Jen Wilkes, you know, from, from, uh, from Texas who, who helps teach a lot of these classes. Um, someone similar to Elisa Turkhurst. And obviously it doesn't have to be a celebrity, but some of those folks have not been through 
betrayal. I know Lisa Turkhurst has, you know, Jen Wilkes has not, but she's still someone that has a level of spiritual discernment that you can really appreciate. Um, and you typically find these with some of the ladies at churches that have been really uh, involved in ladies groups, healthy lady groups, you know, that, that, that don't wind up in, on the gossip train, you know, that wind up continuing to focus on, on the glory of our Lord and on enriching their marriages, enriching their relationships versus, you know, praying about people instead of for them. And so, yeah, absolutely, Lamar. And, you know, one thing that you and I have done that I love, honey, um, is there was a season where Lamar and I were both teaching classes every night, like three, four, sometimes five classes, bam, 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 bam. And we were, we were teaching them actually in two different rooms in the house. And, and we eventually did burn out, but one way that we were able to stay in it for a while and for the season that we needed to, uh, was we debriefed with one another and we didn't mention, we didn't even need to mention names. We just came together and we just unloaded what was shared, um, you know, on these calls that we were doing because it was just too much to hear. So I highly encourage you to find someone to debrief with, but please, uh, I encourage you to make it be a safe person that's removed. So if you're working in a church and you're working with small groups, don't go to the pastor of your church to debrief. He can put the pieces together as to who you're talking about, even if you don't mention names. So you want to preserve their safety. And so getting someone like my, my confidants, my female confidants, I have one in Wisconsin, I have one in Tampa, I have one in Texas. And these three ladies I trust, and I don't share names, but they are sweet sisters that have incredible discernment, incredible walks with the Lord, and that I trust will tell me, hey, you're stepping out of bounds. They're not going to just say what I want to hear. They're actually going to tell me what God needs me to hear and to help me um, make sure that I am walking beside God and 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 um, and having discernment along the way. Another fantastic way um, to help head this off uh, is having a trusted co-leader in the group. Um, some people, you know, couch co-leader, uh, they equate it to mentor. Uh, assistant, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Somebody that you know, when you come to that group, if you need to at any moment, you can hand the group over and and you can, you can allow them to to run with it. They may be someone who is two months into recovery, two years into recovery, but they have shown the ability to just go ahead and, and uplift the other people in the group, make sure that people get their you know, their, their share of time, make sure that they're, they have the ability to call people out. You know, they have the, the, the respect of the rest of the group that in case something comes up that we can say, hey, listen, let's just take a time out here. You know, and, it, and if need be, they can do some of the hard work too. Sometimes the work of, hey, maybe it's better if, if you just tune in next week to somebody mm-hmm. who may be acting out because the, the true leader's not there. So having a co-leader is, 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 um, is a great way to head this off. Um, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you need to take a knee, what that helps having someone already there that can step in um, to to help you in that situation. Another one that you're probably going to dread hearing, but this is this is a measure that'll help you prevent compassion fatigue and burnout, as well as a way to help you if you already have experienced or are experiencing it. And it's boundaries. And boundaries are tough. It's hard to come home and say, you know what, I'm leaving my phone at the front foyer and I'm giving three hours to my family and there's going to be no interruption. It's just going to be my family. You know, it's hard to be able to say, um, you know, I'm not available 24 seven. I'm not um, on beck and call and I'm I'm at after nine o'clock. I can't be reached. Um, or that I'm not going to be able to respond to every text message I get and letting people know. I tell the ladies I work with, I can't respond immediately to your text. I won't because number one, I want to prayerfully consider what I want to respond to and how I want to respond. And number two, I got a lot going on in life. So I'm not going to lie and say, I'm going to be able to be there at your beck and call. And that's why I encourage women to have multiple women that they can reach out to. So if they can't reach me, they can reach the next person if they're in crisis. So that's a big one is, is boundaries, setting up boundaries. Um, one boundary that I have failed in is um, not setting an end time with the classes that I start. Uh, I think it's very important that once you start a recovery group or you start an accountability group, that there's a beginning date and an end date. 
Otherwise, people are going to when when you start getting tired or you're called to move, um, they're going to they're going to accuse you of um, or tell you that you're abandoning them or you're leaving them. And there's there's been a sense of codependency that's been built. So we don't want to build codependency with the ones that we're working on because we need them to go straight to Jesus and to build codependency on Jesus and keep him on the throne and not us, because both men and women um, struggle with codependency and in recovery, they can cling to you as being the one that has all the answers. And we can't be that person. We cannot sit on that pedestal. Uh, we have to redirect them to Jesus. And the best way we can do that is by putting up safe boundaries. It's, it's really interesting you say that, um, Christina, because I think a lot of folks are thinking, oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to have community if I set an end date for the group? Mm -hmm. um, that's why it's important that we recognize, you know, what kind of group are we talking about? If you're talking about a recovery group, that's really important. Uh, now, now, listen, you may have some natural follow-on studies that you want to do, um, but the goal of recovery groups is for you to look around in a year or two and all the original members are gone leading their own groups. And they're, 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 advanced recovery equals new group leadership. Let's just call it out for what it is. That's what you're trying to do. You're, you're, you're not just you know, bringing people into recovery, you're imbuing them with that sense of future leadership and then giving them that opportunity to get out there and lead your own groups. Because when you're helping somebody else figure out their journey, you're furthering your own. And so is the group I'm talking about a recovery group or is it a life group? A life group, I mean, it's just that. You're doing life with those people. They're the ones that know everything about you. And I'm talking about you as the leader. So is this a life group or a recovery group? If it's a life group, hey, you know, what does that look like? Is, is this going to be something that I can you know, take a week off for vacation or take two weeks off around the holidays? Um, is this a time where you know, do, do, um, do I just let the guys know what's going on right now? And that there's going to be some outside commitments that are maybe going to stop me from being there you know, every single week, you know, like rote. Um, life groups are very different than recovery groups. And knowing what kind of group you're talking about can really help you with that level of discernment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another wonderful thing to help manage compassion, fatigue, and burnout is, I know this sounds cliche, but it really does help. It's prayer. And even Jesus gave us that example. And I love, it's such a beautiful, powerful example in Luke chapter five, uh, when great, great crowds had gathered together to hear him and to have him heal them. And what did he do? He actually withdrew. It says he withdrew to a desolate place to pray. So even Jesus had boundaries. Jesus knew um, that he, that prayer is essential in this ministry. So are we going to a quiet place in prayer? Are we stopping and inviting God into each one of our sessions, into, into our preparation, into time after our meetings so we know who to pray for? Um, prayer is an essential part of both preventing uh, compassion fatigue and for treating it as well. And so, um, you know, just as, as we talk about these things, I want to hear more from you guys. Um, you know, we've thrown a lot at you and just a simple, simple way to, you know, a takeaway if you leave with anything, it's, it's the ABCs of, 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 of uh, compassion fatigue and recognizing it. So uh, when you look at the ABCs, it's, are you aware? Are you aware of the symptoms? Are you aware it can happen to you? Are you aware of the risk factors? And if you're a little bit more aware today, that's fantastic. Then I feel like we've done our job here. But it's tomorrow, are you going to be aware too? Are you going to remember when you decide to pull an all-nighter, you know, helping someone? Uh, or you say yes to another class and you already have too much on your calendar or or you, you know, whatever that looks like. Being aware of the signs and, and, and symptoms and doing an honest inventory. And if you can't, and if you think that you um, might have blind spots uh, that you don't see in yourself, inviting someone to do that inventory with you, inviting your spouse, inviting a best friend, inviting you know, a colleague or, or someone else in this ministry or not in this ministry, and just say, hey, can you help me do it? You know me, you, you, you've walked with me. Can you help me do a really honest assessment of, of um risk factors that I might need to look for so I don't experience compassion fatigue. That's the A. B is balance. It's all about having balance in your life. You got to balance the work and the fun. You got to balance 
um, inviting God in. There's it's everything is a balancing game. And then see connection. And that's why we're here. This is we're learning from one another. You lean on one another. We carry each other's burdens, uh, having, you know, co-leader, friends, uh, community, healthy relationships. Very important to have connection because we are not meant to do this alone. Um, you know, the light at the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he's coming after those that are all by themselves, the, the, the they're easy sitting ducks. Um, we can't be easy sitting ducks. We have to be able to surround each other and to protect one another. So that connection is just so, so important. So I'd like to open up the floor to any questions people may have or comments. Maybe you've experienced compassion fatigue, maybe your own personal journey. Um, or you've seen signs and maybe you've tried something that we haven't discussed here, or you tried something we did discuss here and it worked. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So do we have anybody that would like to share? Well, Lamar and Kristen, I think that <clears throat> this was an awesome course in class today. It's one that comes on the heel of doing our manuel and i doing our own uh inventory and we, this week we actually took vacation to disconnect reset as well as refocus create new uh vision for the next you know the rest of part of the year and first and foremost i want to thank manuel for being patient and supportive through a very gruesome part you know year i went through uh as i put in the chat a trauma recovery course program, certification program that was more than six months long, that was very demanding of my time that oftentimes required me to be on a call three nights a week, two hours each, you know, with each call. In addition to a peer recovery coach course that I was taking at the local college two nights a week. In addition to finding a new job. So, when we were going through some of the identifying uh, areas of compassion fatigue, there were many that I related to. And as Lamar pointed to pointed out, they may not have all been present at any given time, but at any given time, I can relate to where I lost focus. I lost prioritizing. I was jamming so much into my in my schedule, and by not practicing the fastest skill, I was trying to fill my schedule with busyness. And oftentimes, I would actually encounter that counterference, that interference, and crossference of in my coaching calls. And there were times when the balance in life was just so overwhelming that I had very little to no energy for Manuela. Mm. And that spilled over into confrontation because I just wasn't able physically, emotionally, or mentally to be present for her. And that was just unfair to her. So it was through working in the recovery program, uh, the trauma, I was able to also identify that in a couple of the sessions, how it was re-triggering for me but because I was using a faster scale, I was able to identify it, but also go to counsel and process it. And in return, was able to come back to Manuela in healthy ways to process with her how it was affecting her. Yeah. So it's been a journey and a course that many of these I have walked through, experienced, and now we are in a different phase where we recognize the importance of work-life balance. Yeah, I, I love, Lawrence, I love, love, love what you're sharing. And Cliff has mentioned the faster scale too. So Lamar, do you mind just giving, because there's so much goodness there, but some people might not be familiar, especially the ladies. We might, we're not familiar with the faster scale. So can you explain what Lawrence is talking about? Yeah, this is, uh, this is found over on the Soul Refiner website. Uh, it lives inside of the, of the Conquer series for sure. And I believe it's over in Warpath as well. Um, I have an interface with Warf Warpath in almost a year now uh, in terms of the specifics from the study guide. But what it does, it provides you an opportunity to kind of gauge where you are on any given day. Okay, the, the, it uses the letters in the word faster, okay, F-A-S-T-E-R, and it basically gives you broad stroke, you know, 
where you are between forgetting priorities all the way over to relapse. Okay, and before you start forgetting priorities, you're actually in restoration. That means that, that you're not you're not acting out really in, in hardly any way at all. Um, now, none of us are perfect. I'm sure underneath restoration, there's some stuff in your life where you're still going to want to address, you know, through your walk with Christ. But Faster helps you identify all that stuff. And there's a ton of subcategories underneath Faster. And uh, on the website, it can help you track how your progress looks. Really what I want to say, though, about what, what Lawrence went through is that what an incredible risk factor slash sign that you're slipping away into mm -hmm. compassion fatigue or burnout. If the relationships of, you know, with the ones that are closest to you are crumbling and you're looking around going, Lord, I'm, I'm answering the mail here. I'm doing what you need me to do. Uh, what a great, you know, flashing neon warning sign that something's going wrong in your life. And it may have to do with your recovery work and even your recovery leadership. If you don't have your marriage all sewed up. Okay. When I say all sewed up, I mean, on the right path. Okay. None of us have got it all figured out. Um, and maybe when we do get it all figured out, that's your last breath before glorification. Your sanctification's over. Congratulations, you made it, pile on to on to glory. Okay. And so, likewise, your your parenting relationship, okay, your nuclear family of origin relationship, if those are crumbling around you, okay, it's really hard for you to be a, a truly effective leader for for the kingdom. So that's a great sign for you to say, okay, maybe it is time for a sabbatical. And I, know I saw there was a lot, a lot of talk about sabbatical earlier in the chat. Uh, that's going to be a whole different topic for us uh, eventually. So, um, but, it, it's, it's, it's great here. Cliff um, opened up a can of worms talking about seeds. So Cliff, if you're here, I'd love for you to turn on your mic and just clarify what seeds are. Um, I don't believe it's schools excelling in emotional development certification. Jack, that cracks me up. That's hilarious. Um, Cliff, I believe you're referring to something else. So do you have your mic? Yeah, in the in the Conquer scale, in the Conquer series, Ted Roberts talks about seeds and it's having social contact, you know, interacting with the guys in the group. Plus I I, I put mentor, uh somebody that you're you can reach out to or just a brother in Christ who who you can, you know, just ha have that communications with and uh and talk about what whatever you're going through as a leader. Uh, the, the E is education, uh, educating yourself on this topic, educating yourself on your relationship with God, on people skills, whatever that, that you're led to do. But Doug Weiss talks about uh, continuing to educate yourself on this topic, uh, to learn more about it to help other guys. Next E is exercise. Uh, you got to make sure that you're moving, uh, that you're getting blood flow through your body and uh, I have a big problem with that one. I'm sitting a lot, uh, so I I need to up my exercise. The D is diet, having a eating healthy. Uh, that has a lot of effect on your attitudes and, and your energy levels. Uh, another area I need to work on. And the last S is uh, sleep, making sure that you get sufficient sleep, uh, which is another area I've been struggling with recently. Getting overtired really strains. Uh, your ability to uh, have that avoidance of compassion fatigue. Yes. So, uh, so this is a really good topic. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you, Cliff. And we had some great comments from Brian. Brian, do you have your your mic? Yeah, I do. I do, Christina. At your service. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share with us what you shared? So I'm just not reading because you had some gold nuggets here. So, do you mind sharing? Um, so, uh, Christina, I, uh, you know, I've been working a lot lately on, um, my own internal health and, and my integrity. Um, and I, my comment about you can't pour from an empty cup. I, I picked that up both from AA and from treatment. Um, and that has really helped me as a man to try to understand what was missing in my life. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have much to add to your, your work today and, and all your, the information, which was phenomenal. I really appreciate everyone who was here. Um, I, I will, this is a, a plug for, again, a non, a non solar final resource. This book called two chairs that I recommended has been life changing for me. Um, it just, it's, it's the best way I've found to start, to start a day. Um, and, um, if anybody's interested in talking about more of this stuff, 
I'm happy to talk at any point. I appreciate all you guys are doing and uh, happy belated birthday to Lamar. <laughs> I got to tell you, you a funny story, Brian. Uh, we came into work yesterday. It was his birthday and they uh, decorated the place. Happy 60th. And with dinosaurs saying he's older than dinosaurs and <laughs> We had convinced some people in the office office he actually was 60. And he's like, I'm I'm not 60. I'm I'm not 60. And so <laughs> it was a fun birthday from the cheap seats. <laughs> Man, I, I, I tell you, thank you so much for bringing up that two chairs. And thank you, brother, for being here, man. It's so good to see you. And thank you for all the work you're doing in your Warpath class. Um, one thing I do want to make some space for here. If anybody wants to announce anything verbally, please raise your hand. Um, but I've had a couple of, uh, of pings from leaders out there saying, hey, I'd love to announce a group I have coming up. Um, and, and you can either do it verbally, you could drop it in the chat if there's room for it. If you wanna say, hey, I'm, I'm doing an in-person group, um, the general area, um, this is a great place to do that. If you've got extra room for one, in one of your groups, um, if you're doing Warpath and you're one of those folks that like to add people at the end of a module before a new one starts, please do so. Um, this is a great place to do it. So if no one raises their hands, just drop them in the chats. That's fine. But I just want to make space for that because I think it's really important that as we come across folks all over the world that need new groups, that we, we recognize this. Uh, Tom, I just saw your, your chat pop in. There will be a recording this. Uh, we will hang it on the Facebook Soul Refiner site first. Eventually, it will go over to the YouTube Soul Refiner site and um, also over to our audio podcast sites on RSS, Spotify, and Amazon. Uh, Lamar, I do want to add, though, that the chat we do not record because we want to keep that as a safe place. And there's a lot of people's last names that might not be uh, wanting those shared. So um, make sure you jot down that information now. Uh, I saved the recording and I take notes. So you can always reach out to me if you miss something and I can get the information to you if you need somebody's name or number and you missed it. Um, uh, yes, the book is by Bob Budine. It's fantastic. Two chairs. Uh, it, it essentially just talks about inviting Jesus every day and having time to just invite him to sit in a chair across from you and to have a conversation with him. And then to also listen. Uh, and that's the hard part, the being still and, and actually try, uh, trying to accept what he is, is, is telling us. So it takes discipline, but it's beautiful. It's life-changing. So yeah. definitely encourage all leaders to check that out for sure. All right. You have, oh, sorry, honey. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Lawrence. I was going to call on Lawrence. I think you were too. <laughs> sorry. Will and I cracking up over the hand in the mid in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to announce that uh, the Saturday group, um, men recovery group for uh, Jersey, is actually going to be starting a new course addressing trauma in, in recovery. Uh, the course that I took was so so invaluable and so important that I will now am going to be creating a course that I'm going to be taking the main group that I facilitate on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. through a six-week uh, course of trauma work and what it looks like in, in recovery. So I'll be starting that in about two weeks. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lawrence. I appreciate it. We also have, um, just wanted to announce, we do have webinars coming up next week. And so please tell your people, because uh, this is a great place. And please join us too. We love, love, love seeing your names there um, participating. Uh, this is not a camera um, thing. It's a, it's a Zoom meeting, which is, I'm sorry, Zoom webinar, which is different than a meeting. So you can let them know that, that their names won't be up, their uh, picture won't be up, and it's a safe place to come. And our topic is going to be forgiveness. And it's a really tough topic that I've been uh, just waiting to, to, um, to uh, use. But the men are going to be talking about it. How do men start by forgiving themselves? Um, what does it look like to ask forgiveness from God? And how do you ask forgiveness from your spouse? And what does that look like? Um, and for women, what, is, what does it mean to extend forgiveness? And is can you extend forgiveness too soon? Is it a, a sin to withhold forgiveness? So I highly recommend, even though we're separating during these webinars and the women are meeting at 10 and the men are leading at one, I encourage you after we record and post them to watch each other's 
because there's going to be great content for husband and wives to talk about. Um, and not just husband and wives, this is forgiveness all around because uh, it's a, it's a tough topic. It's a tough, tough topic. So highly encourage everyone to tune into it. If you can't make it uh, for the live event, uh, we'll, like Lamar said, it'll be posted so you can watch it then. I'm seeing some great comments in the chat, sweetie, and I'm, I'm just trying to respect people's time. Um, so I think a beautiful way to close this out, Jack, I want to thank you for this. He shared scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 2 through 5. Jack, uh, can, do you have access to your mic? Are you able to turn it on? Can you read that for us as we close out? Okay, he might not be able to. So um, I'll read it for us. It's praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Amen and amen. That is just absolutely beautiful. I can't, I can't think of a better way to end um, our session together. It's the perfect, perfect scripture. So I just want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, we love you. Always reach out if you have any problems or concerns, questions, comments. Uh, if you want any notes on this, uh, I feel I would absolutely be honored to, to share my notes. If you want to have a list just to kind of make sure you're keeping yourself in check, I'd be honored to, to share that and send it your way. So Lamar, do you have anything else you want to say? No, if anybody missed anything in the chat that they were waiting for, uh, please reach out to me. I did post my email address uh, in the chat. So reach over to me. You can also hit me up at support at Soul Refiner as well. Um, that way I, I can close loop for any of you that may be waiting on something outstanding that you didn't get zorched over to your interface yet. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and stop the recording piece of the meeting now.